how doth it go? All right, how's it going with you? Uh, I'm okay. Stomach's giving me a bit of grief, but I'm all right otherwise. Fair enough. Is uh, are you going to be good for cheeky cheeky bit of recording? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to try and stick it out. Yeah. Um, I have to call it a day. I have to call it a day, but I'm going to give it a go. That's absolutely fine. Um, but you know, um, I'm I'm glad that outside of your dodgy dodgy guts, you're doing all right. Max, how are you doing? Yeah, how are you guys doing? I'm just. Uh... Wrapping up my timesheet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, big respect. Big respect. So, my voice sounds a little bit funny at the moment, so I'm wearing my head. So, but I'll be with you properly. Absolutely fine. So, um, yeah, I might get changed as well, actually. What? Out of your Packers jersey? <laughs> out yeah. of nowhere to do your football podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll buy a new Packers jersey. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be representing an Aaron Rodgers one with uh, with all the latest news. There's been quite a fair bit of non-week eight related NFL news that's happened, and we'll get. It into... does feel this podcast does have huge. This is fine energy. <laughs> it does. It just seems like everything that happens in the world of the NFL, we're here to summarize none of it, and it's all fine. <laughs> Today's episode will simply be called Ramifications. <laughs> what a great idea. Brilliant. Hello, 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 and welcome to Stiff Up a Lip Podcast, the NFL podcast by Brits. We are in partnership with Gridiron Extra, and we are returning for our third season. So, yeah, on we begin with me, Ed. Me, Emma. I'm Sam. I'm Max Saito. And I'm Tom. So, uh, we are... One week away from being over halfway through the season. Can you believe that? It's, it's scary. Scary how quickly it's going. Yeah. And also just how insignificant half of the teams have already become. Yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. It, it, like, I know that, like, they say that sort of week, week four is where you find out how every team is going to play, but usually at least still banking on someone being interesting by week 12. There's half the league is completely redundant right now. Yeah, I mean they they say don't they it's Thanksgiving that's the sort of the turning point. Yeah. yeah. The season doesn't start till Thanksgiving. <laughs> is that a fresh trim? Have you have you had a trim? Yeah, just a brief one. Just a brief trim. You'll be getting no such haircut styles out of me this weekend, Max. <laughs> <laughs> on that point though does, does it feel to you guys like uh it just doesn't seem like there's that many really good teams now this year like especially in the afc i was looking at <laughs> i was looking at the playoff pictures and the the titans are the number one seed it feels like in any normal year they'd be like the number four seed right like they just haven't been they haven't been that good <laughs> like they've been good they've won some big games like you know they beat buffalo obviously and i was gonna say you know they've I don't know. It just seems it's a bit of a weird year. It's not quite taking shape just yet. I think it's because the AFC usually has like one standout definitive these are the best team or these are the two best teams whereas like since the Chiefs have really hit like a a stumbling block through the first 8 weeks it's almost as though like there just isn't one. And whenever Everyone you think that there's going to be one they end up losing to the Bengals or the Jets or the fucking 
They lose to the Patriots, who we thought were bad. It's you can't really you can't really quantify who is the best team in that division right now. So, are you guys um, reflecting on um, what we said at the start of the year and our predictions that we made and our rankings that we had? Are you guys on board with me about the three teams that I had ranked significantly lower than anyone else? Uh, with the Bills, Dolphins, the Dolphins, and the Forty ers I'm on board um, with you about the Dolphins, one million percent, and the 49ers, I think I'm getting there. I'm, I'm still putting the Bills in 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 a top draw capacity, but yeah, I'd be surprised if the Bills didn't make a deep playoff run. Yeah, but in, given that what we've just said about the AFC, I don't know. <laughs> you only play the teams in front of you. <laughs> that being yeah, said, yeah. you did also have the Falcons higher than everyone else, so swings and roundabouts. Yeah, I really thought they were coming back around there for a minute. But, um... <laughs> Sorry, guys. I think I had the Rams in the bottom third. So <laughs> uh, you did. Yeah, yes, you did. So we will be revisiting absolutely all of these power rankings. In well, are we doing a Friday episode? We're we're gonna be we busy. We're gonna. Fl- oh my god! No, <laughs> no chance. But what the, we walk into a pub. No prior notification of the fact that we're talking about. We're in there. We're like, listen here, you fucking bastard. I'll have you know the Giants are 24th, not 23rd. <laughs> Why is your northern impression just. It sounds like Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. Well, he was just the biggest know. northern influence on me as a child. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in just case like, it hasn't been made. In case. Influence on me. Just in case it hasn't been made aware to everyone, there may not be a Friday uh, recording because our very own Max Saito is coming up here Whoa. with the rest of us Northerners and we're going to have a swell last time and there'll be pictures posted galore on the old Sulp account. But uh, first first real Maybe meeting. you can take a podcast photo that I'm actually in. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think... The possibilities are endless for socialising, and I, for one, cannot wait. Endless. We're going to go around licking fence posts. <laughs> See what happens. Tom's, Tom's been immunised, so it's fine. <laughs> okay. We got a fair amount of games to discuss, but only really a few that are worth a damn, so shall we rattle through as many of the crap ones as quickly as we can before we talk about the real juggernauts? Even some of the close good games were, I say good. Even some of the close games were a bit crap, weren't they? Yes. And right. Do you want to do? Do you want to do them draft style? Uh, all right. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm going to draft. Well, do you want to do the one question format? I didn't. Ooh. I do like. I am Ooh. partial to the one question format. Yeah. Go on. Give us the one question format. Um, Matt, uh, Ed, were you there when we did the one question format? No, but I mean, clue me in. So we, we're just gonna do it draft style you pick the game remaining that interested you or disinterested you the least i suppose in this case (laughs) and then just ask one pertinent question to the group like there's no point talking about some of these games what actually happened it's all about the narrative it's all about the soap opera of the nfl isn't it all right i like this ed do you want to start first or would you rather me or max who are more clued up on the format let me let me lean into it you guys Max, heads or tails? Uh, tails. Alright, heads, tails. 
boom, we want that motherfucker. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, I would like to. I'll, I'll I'll receive. I'll start. I'll kick. I'll kick us off here, and I'll start with. Um, oh God! I'll start with Forty uh, Niners at Bears because Which finished up a mighty fine thirty three to twenty two win for the Forty Niners. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo had two rushing touchdowns. And my question to you is at. Three and five. Does anything in this Bears season matter other than Justin Fields progresses? Um, I'd like to see. I'd like to see Tevin Jenkins come back and also progress the O line. Yeah, well, you've got a rager for Tevin Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> That's well documented. Guilty. I'd quite like. I'd, I mean, I'd quite like to see some uh, competency being displayed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. I think that it depends more on next week for whether or not the Bears are completely ruled out of like any any contention. I mean, three and five is not untenable for a playoff team to come back from. It just depends on whether or not they can actually fucking win any of these remaining games, which, based off of the strength of schedule, could be a little tricky. Yeah, for my in my opinion, I don't actually really think like obviously you want to see some other signs, but by far and away the most important thing is the progression of Justin Fields. And although, um, although they lost and they didn't, they didn't they they scored significantly more than their season average for points. And that running play that Fields had was really like one of the highlights of the week. And yeah, although he's still ones. got a lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done to refine himself as an NFL quarterback. Like that was ex- that that was, that will get you excited about athleticism. So yeah. I don't know. Matt Nagy wasn't around. They had um, the special teams coach calling all the plays, and what, what do you know? The Bears are a bit exciting. So we'll see. It's almost like when you're not calling bubble screens on third and seven. <laughs> it's almost like when you don't have this guy in his first start as a pocket quarterback like Phil Rivers against the Browns pass rush you get some dividends Matt come on <laughs> <laughs> alright um, moving on Ed do you want this smoke or yeah I'll take this one go on um, I will draft uh, Titans at Colts Titans victory over the Colts and my question to you guys is this is the Derrick Henry injury the worst thing that happened this week for fans of the NFL. No. I was going to say, there's an important qualifier in there. A fairly important qualifier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we've not we've not touched upon the rugs thing. I guess we can go there and then drop back. So, so I don't know. We can talk about it at the end. I don't want to put it in the middle of the game. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's leave all the news and shit to the end, because there was some trade deadline stuff as well. But... All right, yeah. Derrick Henry is the Titans' loss of Derrick Henry for six to ten months. The the sort of single biggest on field loss of the season. Tra- it's the biggest tragedy, isn't it? Only like six to ten weeks. They're hoping to get him back by the end of the year. Yeah, the they just they just need to outlast the Colts, and they will they will have a playoff spot. And by the time that Henry comes back, I think it'll be bad for basically everyone that enjoys watching Derek Henry and his massive fucking hair sausage. But 
Which is everyone. Which is everyone, yeah. But um, you know, I, it is it is a it is a disappointing injury. I will have to say, and the fact that he came back into the game like immediately after, like it was obviously shown that he was on the sideline getting treatment for it and whatnot, but. Yeah, um, and they they ran him a lot as well. Yeah, they they did. They lent on him as heavily as they pretty much always do against this Colts team in an overtime victory, thirty four to thirty one. So, I yeah. think it would might be, but I actually think. Do you remember what the Panthers were like before McCaffrey got hurt? Because I think that the Titans can still have something going on with AJ Brown and Julio Jones. But he's healthy. Mm. I think they can still get something going. But the Panthers without McCaffrey have just been a slog to watch on, especially on offense. Like everything about that team has looked worse since he got hurt. So it's probably going to be the same level of impact in Tennessee, to be fair. But we'll see. I know this is unorthodox, but can I ask a small follow-up question? Simple yes or no. Chew. Now Derek Henry and Christian McCaffrey are both injured. Is Jonathan Taylor in the top three available running backs right now? Yes, yeah. one million percent. He might have been in the top three available before they got hurt. Is he the foot? Wait, let me think. Who else is in the league? I don't know. This season, he's really taken he's, a he's, leap, hasn't he? I think yeah, he's probably he's probably top five anyway. But now, yeah, okay, I'm happy to. Well, because uh, no, I think this year, like normally, you would have people like Nick Chubb or Dalvin Cook ahead of him. But just the way he's been playing this year has been, has been he, remarkable. He's been the Colts' offense, hasn't he? So, yeah. I mean, if they lost him, it might be sort of like what happened in Carolina. So, yeah. All right, cool. All right, groovy. Um, I'm gonna take us to. Uh, I'm gonna take us to Jets Bengals and. I'm going to say that this 34 to 31 win for the Jets. My question is can any team in Ohio win a crucial season defining game against the Jets? Can anyone in Ohio actually win one of these games against the Jets cuz the Browns failed last year, the Bengals failed this year. And what happens? Imagine how things. Imagine how bad things are when you play a crucial game against I the Jets. I can't believe <laughs> this. Your one question for this game, which was probably undeniably the game of the Sunday, yeah, was a dig at your know, division rival. <laughs> Look, of <laughs> course it was going to be. Been, no, obviously. <laughs> Let me ask a serious one. Come on, no, shut in the league. No. <laughs> let me, let me, let me come down from yours and come up from mine and meet us in the middle. Is Mike White the consensus starter for New York, or is this a one-game fluke? Because he looked damn comfortable in there. It wasn't like a sort of, uh, it wasn't just like a sort of random one-off appearance where, oh my god, like. Joe Flacco is playing amazing for some reason, but no, like Mike White legitimately looked like he was an NFL caliber quarterback every single play here. How long has Mike White been in the league for? <laughs> Two years. Right. So he's seen a lot of. He was drafted in 2018 by the Cowboys in the fifth round. So he's seen a lot of. He's 26. So he's already going to be seeing the field better you'd assume than Zach Wilson and the knock on Zach Wilson coming in obviously was that he will, he's not going to see the field very well he's not very you know he's a very raw talent so 
to me, offense and BYU. (laughs) (laughs) To me, like I think maybe I don't know because what what are the Jets trying to play for here? I don't know, but it's so hard because. Maybe they... I, I kind of think they might have called the offense a bit differently without Zach Wilson in there. They might have tried to strip it back to basics. I mean, they really lent on Michael Carter and... Um, uh, who's the other bloke? Uh, Samaj P. Ryan? The Michael P. Ryan. Oh, it was Michael. Sorry, Samaj plays for the Bengals. My bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, they really lent on the run game and they got a lot out of Michael Carter especially and... I read a quote that Robert Salovers has been telling people, which is like, try and be exciting by being boring. You know, don't turn it over. Don't try and do too much. And I think Zach Wilson is definitely going to be more liable to do too much. Whereas Mike White, you know, a tiny bit of savvy, even though he hasn't started, he's just going to come in and, and know what he's looking for. Basically, he knows what mistakes you can't get away with in the NFL. So yeah. to me, uh, when Zach Wilson comes back, maybe you should sit him and just let him learn from the best in the league. Or <laughs> okay. re- reevaluate the offense, because, yeah. I mean, it was just nice. It was just nice for the Jets to have a big win. You know what I mean? Like, I think everyone in the league was like, good for them. <laughs> everyone in the <laughs> league was like, other than obviously yeah. Bengals fans, they were like, it's just nice that they, they got a win, and it was an unlikely win, an underdog win, comeback win. So that'll that'll tie them over now until what, February. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Max, your call. Uh, t- I was thinking of Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson, that's the one. They got a bit of run out of Ty Johnson as well. So yeah, um, I am going to select. Let me pull up the scoreboard here. <laughs> so it feels like a. As far as the NFL goes, it feels like a an, a glacial age since these games occurred, uh, <laughs> given the news and everything like that. I'm going to go ahead and pick the uh, what have we got here. I'm going to pick the Eagles at the Lions. And my question is, what what the hell's going on over here? <laughs> <laughs> the Eagles won forty-four to six in Detroit. Detroit I, had been in every game, really. Like they, they'd really competed. Didn't really come that close to winning any games, but had really competed in the first seven games. The Eagles, who looked shaky and disorganized, and for some reason, like they just went in completely opposite directions in this game. You know what's? You know what I think is the the weirder thing about this question and uh, well about this game and the more sort of what is going on over here is the. The Eagles have been pretty much established as like stat sheet padders by essentially having like garbage time 350 yards out of Jalen Hurts and five touchdowns when for the first three and a half quarters he's done like 103 yards and no touchdowns. That was his final score on the entire day. He had, they had 16 pass attempts the entire game. They did nothing but just let Boston Scott, Jalen Hurts, Jordan Howard, Kenneth Gainwell, and Jalen Rager just have the ball in their hands and just carry it. And the Lions 
just fell over every single hurdle for the entire game. And even even late in the day, you'd think like, oh, this Eagles team that isn't very good, like, garbage time. The Lions still could only rack up six points. What's if going on? Lions, if I'm the Lions, I'm benching Jared Goff and saying what I have in anyone else on the roster. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, their backup is David Blau, and it's like, oh. Yeah. Ugh. Maybe they can. Maybe they can make a Mike White. <laughs> but it, Mike White it, comes along once in a generation. <laughs> I do have a. Can I have a follow up question about this game in uh, in particular? Because uh, there was a quote, and I can't remember who it was from. I think it might have been around Rasent Brown, but it was that uh, he says that if we don't play better than we have done in these first eight weeks, we will go winless. And my Rude. question is, are the Lions going to be the first team to not only win, uh, to not only lose all 16 games in a season, but are they going to be the first team to lose all 17 in a season? It would be hard to do. It would be bloody hard to do. Let's take a look at the schedule. Okay. We've still got a game against the Packers to go. I mean, they always win one against the Packers. <laughs> yeah. Apart well, from that one year, they didn't. Other than, I mean... They always win against the Aaron Rodgers Packers. <laughs> so they've got they've got the Steelers, Browns, Bears, Vikings, Broncos, Cardinals, Falcons. Circle that one. Seahawks and Packers. I think I'm circling go. Broncos and Falcons, and I'm circling Steelers because the yeah. Steelers will never stop playing down. Yeah, them. that one's like now that we've picked up three wins in a row, it could be a trap game. So you never know. Like, and it's coming out. It's coming off the line. The Lions are on bye now. So maybe they do come out with a different quarterback, and maybe they get a bit of an injection from Mister Blau. I think I, you know what, it, the Lions. It's deadline day, right? Look, look around practice squads. Look around the back. Maybe John Wolford has a bit of juice. How much is it going to take to pry him from the Rams? Like it's that kind of situation now for the Lions. There's no right? point expending any capital on the rest of the season if you're Detroit. I mean, that's if that's if you assume that they're going to get the first overall pick. But then the QBs in this in the next draft, they're not. They, I, I doubt. I, I wouldn't even say they're particularly to a standard, right? So, well, that's what's not... the point? What's the point in getting John Wolford then? Because he's not going to. That's not a project, is it? Like, I don't know. It's, <laughs> John Wolford and David Blau. Uh, come on, they're basically the same guy. I think Mac Jones. Mac Jones coming out would have been the consensus. Best quarterback in this draft, I reckon. Mm, Cal Trask. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. I don't even know who the consensus number one at the moment is. Is it Malik Willis? Yeah, uh, yeah I'm seeing Malik Willis and I, I keep seeing Matt Carell being put at the top as well, but that's the problem. It's not a consensus yeah, maybe the, thing. Maybe... It's... Maybe the best quarterback in the draft is from Liberty University. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I wonder if he's vaccinated. Not. <laughs> okay, Ed? Um, my pick is going to be Bucks Saints. And it's going to. my question oh. is going to be, are we, is it early, are we on the early window? Or I think we we're just doing earlies, although it's up to you whether or not we go on to some of those like afternoon oh, games no, no. too. In that case, no, no, no. I can, I can pivot. I can do a hard pivot. Um, I'll go Panthers Falcons, and I will say, hot damn! Why haven't they been using Carl Darrell Patterson like this from the start? What? Just every team? 
Yeah. Why Why is it taken... I mean, because I like what Albert Patterson. Why is it taken eight years into his pro career for someone to go, you know what, actually, this guy... We can build an offense around this guy. Uh, see... Everyone has tried that. Everyone has, but nobody's made it work or nobody's made it stick. Because my problem is, is that everyone did try that and that was what was killing their offense every time that they did. But they didn't properly account for it. Whereas... Um, if you go all in, on, the, if on you the go Cordell all in on Patterson the Cordell Patterson train, then it turns out maybe maybe you might actually have had something in in there all this time. Plus, also, I do think that like everyone that has had Cordell Patterson, apart from like the Brady yeah. England New England Patriots, like everyone that everyone else that's had him is sort of like relied on Christian Ponder and Mitchell Trubisky to make the offense work as well. So maybe it was also that, but ugh. I don't think I don't think this, that that's the main takeaway from this game, but Patterson accounted for seventy two all purpose yards, I think. Um do you know who no. the Falcons leading receivers were on the day? Cal Pitts. Tajay Sharp. Yeah, Tajay Sharp was number one, Patterson two, Mike Davis, Pitts, Zacchaeus and then Hayden Hurst had a couple. And I think it's interesting. I don't know what the future of the Fal- like the Falcons' offense is going to look like without Calvin Ridley for the meantime. I mean, it's almost been lost in the in the mix of everything that's happened. That Calvin Ridley, who a couple of years ago was considered one of the like up and coming stars, a wide receiver, is stepping away for 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 mental health reasons. I mean, that's 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 massive to the Falcons' offense. I mean, they're basically they don't have a. They don't. Well, Pitts is the wide receiver one now, and I don't know. It's just like it's not a great offense. I mean, they kind of had that. They kind of had that slight resurgence, you know, just started with them winning in London. But I don't know. Maybe Matt Ryan getting his hands sliced open <laughs> part mm. of the reason why they didn't perform too well in this game. Yeah, it was a Halloween, uh, Halloween hand horrific. Injury right there. <laughs> oh, and well, you know, the Panthers did get Gilmore and um, Shaq Thompson back for this game. That's going to help, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, they were, I, I wouldn't say they were lacking pieces on defense anyway, but yeah, it certainly helped them out. Yeah, and I think as well, they just played way smarter football over in Carolina. Like, Chuba Hubbard has been low-key incredibly efficient in this time without CMC. It's obviously not quite CMC, but even though the Panthers haven't quite hit anywhere near the level of performances that they were getting through the first like three weeks or whatever, um, and Sam Darnold's still struggling to really make the offense tick as well, Chuba Hubbard has been like consistently churning out like 80-plus yards. So they hadn't, they hadn't really lent on him as a guy until... This game, and I think Matt Rule afterwards was like, "That's what I thought Ed was going to ask: was why haven't the Panthers been using Chuba Hubbard more? Because they have shied away from it, and mm. let's put Donald in a bad situation." But in this game, yeah, I don't think either of these teams are doing it for me on offense at the moment. I think McCaffrey's been activated or designated to return from IR. He's been designated he to return, but whether or not he plays is is another question. So I believe that he may be coming back, but he may still be a game day decision. My view on Hubbard, just before we move on, is I think he's incredibly good between the tackles, but he's he's got 
iron hands. He's not a receiver yet. He's not. It's mm. certainly not like CMC, but he's not a great receiving threat. I'd go along with that. Okay, let's um, let's move on. I I'm going to take the Steelers, uh, fifteen to ten win over the Browns. Uh, my question is. Tom's question is simply, why am I like this? <laughs> well, my question really is that I don't... Are the Browns the most injured team in the NFL right now? Because they lost... Um, uh, name slips my mind. Uh, fucking Conklin. Conklin. Like, they lost Jack Conklin like halfway through the game. And from that point on, TJ Watt was basically in the brown's backfield this entire time like the the game was played incredibly efficiently from the steelers apart from that one glaring incident of thro- having a chris boswell rollout fake field goal didn't go very well and he ended up in the concussion protocol immediately after but he's like, yeah, I know he's not a quarterback by trade, but he's really got to throw that thing away. <laughs> he does got to throw that thing away. I do still think that it was a penalty. I'm sorry, I've watched it back yeah, a hell of a lot of times, and he definitely takes a crown of the helmet to the chin. It's, it's but, not great self-preservation instance. No. I guess that's why he's a kicker. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Well, to be but, fair, if I was a kicker and I had the ball and I saw my guy was covered, I'd just spike it into the ground. <laughs> no. But the Browns, again, like... The whole sort of preview into the game was how many players they're missing, and it seemed really apparent today. Like Nick Chubb didn't really start hitting the ground running until like late into the second quarter. He he was held to sixty one yards, but a lot of that came on like a couple pretty big plays. There was one play where they called defensive holding. Not entirely sure why, but. They had like a couple twenty yard runs out of Chubb and everything else. Like they had fourteen carries that I think averaged like one yard a carry. So it was um it was really difficult for them to move the ball on the ground with Kareem Hunt and then Odell Beckham Jr. With getting Kareem, healthy and oh without yeah, you mean without Kareem Hunt. Uh yeah, without Kareem Hunt, my bad. But um and then obviously on the defence they took a hell of a lot of uh a lot of guys out. I mean, yeah. What when a catch there from Pat Fryermuth. That's one thing I do got to say. What a great play from the rookie. It was it was a decent catch. That's like the first thing I remember him doing this year, to be fair. But um, the what I would say is the when you compare what the Browns did against Pittsburgh like, compared to what they did against Denver, and it's fair to say that Pittsburgh's defense is five times better than Denver's. But they just they against Denver, they were shorthanded, but it seemed like they had a clear plan of what they wanted to do. Whereas it just looked like they had guys coming back too soon against Pittsburgh, like Baker's. I don't even know why Baker's playing; his shoulders completely detonated. Nick Chubb's obviously just come back, and I don't know if he's fully healthy. Jarvis Landry came back. I don't know if he was fully healthy. Yeah, so he had a nasty fumble as well that really cost them big down the stretch. It was like, um, basically like twenty yards out, and on a third down, he, he completes it, gets the first down, and then Joe Schobert making the play. What it just seems out. uncharacteristic yeah. that of Jarvis Landry. Just, it is, yeah. That's that's the sort of play that he does player. not have. So, 
yeah, I think it almost might be worth Denver just uh, not Denver. It might just be worth Cleveland just shutting down Baker for a few weeks, put him on IR, and just start Case Keenum because he's probably the one of the better backups in the NFL. And just, he, I think I really think Stefanski is a very good coach, and I think he they can game plan around having Case Keenum in there. So yeah, I mean, I, I must admit, like when I watched the Broncos game last week, I did think that it made a lot more sense to have a fully healthy Case Keenum in there than having Baker Mayfield, who, outside of that one playoff game, like, Baker Mayfield has struggled to play against the Steelers' defense on a lot of occasions. Like, he doesn't really fare well about the amount of pressure that he gets, and especially with him being injured, it just, it seemed really risky of him as well to just put him in harm's way in that sort of fashion. So, yeah, I agree. Put him on IR or... I mean, don't, as far as I'm concerned, because the Browns will probably struggle to move the ball as efficiently, and they've got the Bengals and Patriots coming up next. So, I mean, feel free to not put him on IR if you really fancy, but Case Keenum's the more safe option right now for Cleveland. I think I think Baker Mayfield in the offense really should, I think in an ideal world for the Browns, would only be a bit of a role player. And they would lean on the ground a pound, but mm-hmm. with the offensive line injuries and with the running back injuries, they've obviously not really been able to do that. But I mean, they were they were managing to get decent gaps against um, Denver running. So to me, like, uh, but I think the Browns will have better days. The Steelers' defense is really good. Like, it's like why did the Browns' offense struggle? Well, maybe they were playing against a top two three or top one defense in the NFL. Maybe maybe that's it's that simple, right? So, I don't know. It's not the end of the world for the Browns. The Steelers, it's a good win for them, big win for them, but I still don't think they have much of a chance in the playoffs when they get there, if they get there, and I'm not looking forward to them playing the Bears next week. No. The, the, <laughs> the least ugly thing about that is that the Color Rush jerseys are going to be out on Monday night, and I, for one, am excited. Wait, is that a primetime game? It is a primetime game. It's the Monday night game. I'm leaving the call, bye. <laughs> Alright. Hey, fellas. I'm, I'm really sorry, but I might have to call it a day. I am in quite a bit of pain. That's absolutely fine. You you shoot off. Um, enjoy. Uh, do you I'm want sorry. me to message you about Vikings-Cowboys, or do you want us to just rep through it? Um, I tell you guys what, in pain. Don't ask about the Vikings. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, you can use my you can use my three pillars on the Vikings improvement because it's as true today as it was when I said it. <laughs> Play calling, penalties, and special teams. Sounds good. Sounds all right. good. All right. See yeah. I'm see really you later. Hey, it's all right. Don't worry about it. You shoot off. All right. See you later, Super. big dog. Instead of like blowing a kiss he did the chef's kiss which was a little weird <laughs> just he's like great perform <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah for the listeners uh ed has had to dip but we will be storming right on ahead and uh what a treat we've got because there's two games left in this early window and max which one of these two clusterfucks do you want to talk about first bill's dolphin bill's yeah. dolphin Oh my god, I'm going to talk about um, the Rams. We can talk about the fact that they added Von Miller. So my question to you would be um, are the Rams with Von Miller the Super Bowl favourite? 
it's that straightforward. Ooh. Favorites is 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 tricky, but I, I I've been pinning them as like the the best team in the NFC pretty much ever since they got Stafford. If I'm being honest, like they were they were a quarterback away from being a, a great team. Um, they got a good quarterback. Cooper Cup has absolutely balled out ever since. He is he is absolutely unplayable. I think yeah, those guys are going all the way to the Super Bowl for me. That's that's my mid season. Super Bowl prediction. The Rams, I genuinely think, are, are, I know that they played against a weak Texans team here, but their only loss came against the then undefeated Cardinals, who played like flawless football. So I don't, I don't think that there's anyone that's really going to stand much of a chance of beating them. Yeah, right we'll now. See. The only thing that I would say about the Rams is, although I think they might get home field advantage through the playoffs now, um, they have had a very, very soft schedule. Um, they played the Bears. They played the Colts before the Colts had a pulse. They did have that impressive win against the Bucks. They lost the Cardinals, and they beat they've beaten the Seahawks, Giants, Lions, and Texans since then. Mm. So I don't know. Maybe we'll. I mean, looking at their the rest of their schedule, it doesn't really get that that much harder. So. Yeah, I agree. I mean. The only problem is though is that like you can only win who you're playing against and I'd say that like a 38 to 11, 28 to 19 but a lot of that is garbage time and then 38 to 22 wins against those bad bad teams. Like that's that's pretty that's pretty good, not going to lie. Like you that's as good as I think that you're pretty much going to get like you can have to take stock in how they played against those teams and I think that like even though they have had a pretty weak schedule like the fact that they did come away from the Bucks win with a 34 to 24 win and like they comfortably dispatched the Bears from like the first snap of the game they beat the Seahawks in every facet of the game like it's basically as just about as good as you could sort of manage so um yeah I'd still say that they are the like Super Bowl favourites from the NFC for sure. And it would be a home Super Bowl if they got there. Ooh. Second year it's running. Two in a row, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just we'll weird. It's very weird that that had never happened before and now here we are again. But, uh, alright. Last one of this early window. The 5-2 and two Buffalo Bills. 26-11 to 11 win uh, winners over the Miami Dolphins. My question here is... Um, it's it's a very similar question to how everyone's been looking at it right now, and it is that um, with all of the rumours that were going down during the trade deadline, and oh, I can't remember which member of their player personnel it was, it might have been their vice president of player personnel, saying when asked recently about um, whether or not it was a mistake for going to it over Justin Herbert, he mildly threw his quarterback a uh, a little bit under the bus and said, I don't know, you be the judge of that. And that is the direct quote there. Good. It's oh it's 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 one of those where on paper Tua is getting absolutely canned by everyone that should be protecting him right yeah. now. 
My question is, is it better if he gets out more than they get him out? Who wins if Tua leaves? He's with the way that that he's handled it, but it's so clear that they don't want him there. I mean, it's it's kind of like the Jared Goff situation. It's kind of like back when... um, Back when fucking... Dan Campbell? (laughs) No, I'm thinking about um, when Drew Brees was... A charger. Yeah, they didn't really want him there. You know, like some if, if a team's just doing that to, I mean, what's what? Like the team doesn't want him there. He's handled it fairly well to his credit, but I don't know. Like I, I've definitely had my doubts about Tua, but they're just killing him. Like he, he's got to try something somewhere else with a better coach. Like a, a coach who's going to put him in a better position. Yeah, ownership who are actually going to make him feel wanted. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'll end up on in the, on the Saints next year or something like that. That'd be that kind of excite me. Look, that's that's the sort of move that I could I could definitely see being the case. I mean, one of the uh, one of the propositions about the sort of Deshaun Watson to Miami trades that were being floated is that it was going to be a three way trade with Washington taking him on, and like I wouldn't want him to be. No, I, don't want I wouldn't him want him to be on. I won't want him to be on a team like Washington because they're far too volatile, but like to have him be traded elsewhere in this scenario, like whoever trades for him clearly will want him. And that's that's the point. It's like he needs to be on a team where he can be allowed to develop without having to also field questions about whether or not he's playing as well as like some guy that was taken two two picks before him. Because his own fucking vice president of player personnel or whatever is throwing him under the bus. Like this is this is it's stupid. No quarterback should have to deal with that. It's it's pathetic. And to be honest, like everything that the Dolphins have done over the last like year and a half, not just with Tua Tonga Bailoa, but just like how they've handled all of their quarterbacks has been just it's so crap, man. It's so just crap. Yeah, they um. They they had such good energy around them, you know. People were like, oh, Brian Flores is going to be a great coach. They're going to get, you know, a really high draft pick quarterback. And well, frankly, they've blown it. Like, yeah. And I think it's it's with Miami. It's been so long now since they were good. Where you can't kid yourself into thinking like, oh, you know, maybe, you know, there are these teams where like Detroit come to mind, Miami for sure. Uh, even almost to a point even like the Bears it's just like it's clearly like the ownership are just like the owner and the VP are just uh, they're, they're just not making the right decisions on any level and it's just you'd have to get lucky to kind of like the Bills the Bills got pretty lucky with they organised well they got a, the right GM you know they hit on the GM and they hit on a coach and that's well, they need to do, but when you've got ownership like the Dolphins have, it doesn't. Well, not ownership, sorry, because it's, it's owned by like a bunch of celebrities, isn't it? But when you've got um, top-down leadership like the Dolphins have, it doesn't put them in a position to succeed. All right, there are four games in the late window, plus Sunday, plus Monday. Let's hit the first of these uh, later window games. I'm going to talk about. The New England Patriots, 27-24 to 24 winners over the LA Chargers. And uh, it's been a, ruffle, a rough couple of weeks 
for Justin Herbert and the LA Chargers, who take their second loss in a row after looking pretty comfortable at 4-1, and one, starting maybe to have a little bit of a slip-up, although is that maybe on the fact that Bill Belichick has Justin Herbert's number? Yeah, exactly. What did they beat him last year? Like 45 nothing. Yeah, it was by far Justin Herbert's worst game, and I think that this one was probably the same here. It's his worst well, game in the season thus that, far. They've brought them down by 18 points. They've gone up by 24. So the next time they play, they'll win 48 tonight. <laughs> I mean, that's simple mathematics. But yeah, no, you're right. Like Herbert did struggle in this game. He wasn't seeing the field. I think, you know, they always say about Belichick being able to take away a team's, like to being able to take away a team's weapon. Mm-hmm. I think this year for the Chargers, what's been a big difference is just the emergence of Mike Williams on the outside and, and just the faith that Justin Herbert has in him to go up and get the ball. Like, yeah. they, they barely connected in this game. And they were coming off the bye as well, I think. So, um, yeah, they, they just got outcoached. And Herbert made a couple of mistakes. And I think, to me, the Patriots are starting to open it up. You know, we called on this mm. podcast earlier in the season for them just to, like, open the playbook up for Mac Jones and, and see what he's got. And I think he's he is stepping up. I think he's been by far the most impressive of the rookie quarterbacks. And I think Damian Harris was in the doghouse a bit a few weeks ago after starting fairly promising. Had a few costly fumbles and, and they sort of looked to guys like Ramondre Stevenson and JJ Taylor. But they're sort of finding the balance in the run game now. And the defense is not the best Patriots defense by any means, but it's doing just enough. So Yeah, and yeah, it I almost feels like... Um... At four on four, you think they're a, like a, a good... Like a, five seed six seed in the AFC you know I've been thinking about this and like if we were still doing the one question moniker it would have been this for me are the Patriots a playoff bound team and I think like with the fact that Mac Jones is playing like turnover free like calm collected football like he's not he's not breaking anything really down but at the same time like he's not it's almost he's like he's it. he's not flashy, but he doesn't need to be. Like if they he did have he did have a, a rainbow in like the first drive or two of this game. Yeah, but thirty yards on the foot in stride. It was a perfect pass, and I thought if he could just pull out a few of those a game, the rest of it just you know, like you say, being smart, completing passes when taking what the defense gives them. That's all he really needs to do in his rookie season. Like we can't ask you can't ask too much of a rookie quarterback, and I think he's. Certainly meeting expectations. And the Patriots, you can see they're getting better. Yeah, like I mean, even on the defense side, I mean, Matthew Judon had a one-and-a-half uh, one sack day. He's been lighting up a little bit. Still throws me off with his wet, uh, with his red sleeves. Just a, just a tiny little bit, but at least you know that he's there. Um, and he wears the number nine, which I'm still trying to get used to with the whole, like, pass rushers wearing single digits. But... You know, you do you, Matthew Judon. You you racking up a hell of a lot of sacks. You playing a hell of a lot of good football. But yeah, I think this. I think that this Patriots team could be like a good wild card team, like especially one that could make one of the like division leaders slip up. Like at this point, like I don't know whether or not. Even though I think that there could be, there could even be three teams from the AFC North that make the playoffs. At this point, like. I don't know whether or not I'd trust any of them to actually win a game against Bill Belichick, coach New England. Like, given given the way that the rest of the AFC have been performing, I mean, how the Patriots stand as good a chance as any, frankly. Exactly. They're, 
They're three and zero on the road and one on four away, which I don't. Uh, one of three and zero on the road and one on four at home, which I do think speaks to having decent coaching to go three and zero on the road. But and their next four games, they're at Panthers, home to Browns, at Falcons, home to Titans. Bear in mind, Derek Henry list Titans. Like all four of those games are very winnable for it. They could be sat eight and four in four weeks' time. That's that just was, that that's crazy. Be- That'd be a story, wouldn't it? It it certainly would, and like, I think this is where Bill Belichick does his best coaching. I think like when he has raw talent to work with, and he can just sort of guide them through. And I know that Mac Jones is probably the most pro ready guy that they could have had, but the guys that he's brought in to this organization recently have have really started connecting. I mean, Jacoby Myers is playing damn good football right now. Um, Nelson Aguilar had his best game as a Patriot thus far. Hunter Henry had a pretty decent day. Johnny Smith had a pretty decent day. It's like, obviously, as you mentioned, Damian Harris, all of the defense, like, again, Bill Belichick knows how to coach a defense. This is where he's doing his best coaching, I think. I don't want to talk about this one anymore. All right. Let's move on. We got the Seahawks thirty-one, Jags seven. And let's, this one let's just let's just ask one question and one question only. Okay, guess how many passes it took Trevor Lawrence to get to two hundred and thirty-eight yards? Um, attempts or completions? Attempts. It's pointless me playing this game because I've got the stat sheet right in front of me. Uh, and I have them in front of 54. me for every game. Fifty-four. Fifty-four attempts, two hundred thirty-eight. Against the Seahawks that aren't very the good. The Seahawks have been terrible. Geno Smith was in this game. The Jags are coming off a bye, and to block like that, let's um, let's move Urban Meyer along. This yeah. this time, like this game, let's move along very quickly from Urban Meyer uh, to the next game, which I don't particularly want to talk about in much detail. An absolute snowfest played at Mile High Stadium. <laughs> My Seven... only question about this one for you. Wait, on. yeah, it was. 17 to 10 final yeah, yeah. to Denver. Did you see Denver's attempt to close out this game? Yeah, it was fucking abysmal. It was fumble recovered, incomplete pass, stop the clock, and then fumble given away. <laughs> yeah. Just about and they as... still couldn't do it. And the they, way that... they had so many chances. <sighs> I was I had this in a fantasy matchup, right? I had Terry McLaurin mm-hmm. and my opponent had uh, the Denver defense and Washington had two bites at the cherry to try and tie this game up which resulted in Terry McLaurin gaining zero fantasy points and the Broncos defense gaining four fantasy points yep I uh, I actually I lost my matchup in fantasy by a total of 1.1 points and Melvin Gordon who I happen to <laughs> be starting at running back lost two for the fumble so Yikes! Someone okay, quickly Heineke. roll the Kirby Cur- enthusiasm theme, but like there were some misconceptions about Taylor Heineke after that playoff game last year, but he is not a guy. <laughs> no, I mean he's he's played about as well as a Taylor Heineke could possibly have played, but he's nowhere. N- People keep putting him in this like they weird. They keep putting him in this weird territory, like. Do you remember when Gardner Minshew was absolutely balling and people actually started respecting him and like, oh shit, Minshew mania, it's a thing. And like, it made it made sense because he'd actually proven it. Like, people are saying that Taylor Heineke is the exact same sort of level. I'm like, no, because he's not. 
Minshew Mania was fun, but we don't have to do this every time some random fucking idiot shows up and plays, like, weird mobile quarterback but doesn't have a strong arm play. Actually, that's a point. Why doesn't anyone have Minshew right now? I mean, the Eagles have got him, but he's a fucking backup to Jalen Hurts. Disgrace. They, um... I don't think they abandoned Jalen Hurts after the last game. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. Move anyway, on. let's move on to the final game of the 9pm window for us, or the 4 o'clock window for the old Americans across the pond. 36 to 27, the Saints closing out the Buccaneers and Tom Brady looking a little old. Trevor Simeon coming in for Jameis Winston and closing out a very impressive Saints day from everyone involved. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I thought the talking about people owning, um, sorry, it's. And just to lift the kimono up a minute, I think Emma's just found out that Rogers has COVID. Uh, a little, a little slow. I think you know. I think Rogers had that. I wonder if he had that horse medicine. But yeah, my thoughts oh my on this gosh. game are. Um, my thoughts on this game are. Um, he. The 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 Sean Payton Saints have inexplicably owned the Tom Brady. Buccaneers, like remember when they beat them like thirty-eight three last year? They've just been able to do something rare, which is obfuscate how Tom Brady sees the field. Like he's turning the ball over at a much much higher rate, and um, against the Saints rather than he would against any other team. And I just think like I, I don't know, Dennis Allen has got the recipe for Brady. Like mm. <laughs> if 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 Dennis Allen had written a book on how to stop Brady 15 years ago, maybe we would never have got here. But yeah, I think the the Saints gutted out a win. Obviously, I think losing Jameis is, is terrible for their season in the long term because, you know, they might get Taysom Hill back from that concussion or maybe they're going to rock with Trevor Simeon, but I don't think either option is particularly enlightening. So yeah, I mean, it, it was a, it was a it was a great win for the Saints. I'll say that much. And and the Bucks came down to earth a little bit. And I think the highlight of the game for me was <laughs> there was a play where they had Giovanni Bernard running a route out of the backfield, and uh, Cam Jordan's rushing the passer, and he oh, and he just shoves him over. <laughs> he <throws> one hand <laughs> at Giovanni Bernard, and he throws him about forty yards backwards. <laughs> oh, and it's so blatantly obvious, like. That's the exact sort of defici- uh, definition of a defensive pick play. So, but it was funny though. It was fucking hilarious. They, they, they let it go because it was funny. Yeah, which I think should be the case. Just let yeah. let heinous crimes on the football field get unpunished because they are fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's um, funny that Rogers lied about or obfuscated the truth about being vaccinated. So they should let him play. In my humble opinion. They just uh, need to reel them around in Kirk's box. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Speaking of Kirk, because we're basically done with the Saints Buccaneers, um, Jameis is out for the season. That's that's pretty much it. Oh, and Gronkowski left the game after coming back from IR and you know his crumpled old body is finally catching up with him again. But... It really is, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the Cooper Rush revenge game. 
twenty to seventeen, the six and one Dallas Cowboys beat the Minnesota Vikings three and four. Three twenty-five yards on forty attempts, two touchdowns and a pick for Cooper Rush. You want to talk about Mike White? He wasn't even the best one of these guys that Dallas have drafted late in the fucking NFL draft to play at quarterback because some guy gets injured. It's fucking Cooper Rush time. Yeah, I think um, this... Oh, man, this game... I mean, so Cooper Rush coming into the Cowboys offense, he's been there what feels like forever, so it makes sense they'd be relatively natural there. And the options that he has... I mean... (laughs) You forget, like, Michael Gallup's not even played for this Cowboys team. Really. I think he's been on IR. But they still got Cooper, Lamb, and... Cedric Wilson. Uh, Cedric Wilson, who turned Harrison Smith... He t- he turned Harrison Smith inside out, like... Uh, remember that Earl Thomas play when he was on the yeah. Ravens? where he had to get into his blocker. league blocker, yeah. <laughs> it was basically kind of similar to that, so... It, um... Yeah, like... They, they, the Cowboys have all the weapons on offense, and I think that alone makes them a serious threat in the NFC. And yeah. when you can win a game, and and the Vikings, the, the Vikings wilted under the lights, frankly, as Kirk teams so often do. But the Cowboys is, is a great win for them, and I think it cements them as like proper championship contenders. Uh. And the, for the Vikings, it's like, they just... If the Vikings are supposed to lose a game, or supposed to win a game, you just know they'll, it'll be close, or they'll, or they'll lose, or if if they're supposed to lose, they'll make it close, or, you know, they'll win. So, it's, it's just it's just a ridiculous team, the Vikings. Like, I don't know. They've got a lot of talent, but they can't seem to put it together. Yeah. With, they have one of the toughest ending schedules, um... But looking at the games that they have like lost, um, it's kind of hard to say how many more they'll end up winning. Like they barely beat the Lions. They lost in an awful game against the Browns, who Baker Mayfield was already hurt by that point and was missing basically every throw that he could. Uh, mm. They barely scraped past the Panthers in overtime after throwing it away. They missed the game winner, yeah, against the Cardinals. And... They missed the game winner against the Cardinals. They, the only game that they have played, which has been even remotely convincing on any way, shape, or form for like them actually winning it outright, was that Seahawks one. Um, yeah, but it's every other game every... has come down to like the last Final kick play. of the game or the last throw of the game or anything. So. Um, Ed had like three key points about this one as to why the Vikings lost, and it was yeah. penalties, play calling, defense, and special teams. Yeah, uh, but they, it was penalties, play calling, and special teams. And I have to say, I oh, Kirk Cousins has to be thrown in there for me because this was by far one of his most scattershot days that I've that I think I've seen out of him. He. He did not look like he was comfortable playing in pressure. And they were the home team. He's used to US Bank. What's going on? The Cowboys... um, The Cowboys fans were quite loud in the stadium at times as well, which you don't often hear in Minnesota. So, Mm. yeah, it it was just a demoralizing, demoralizing loss of the Vikings. And you have to wonder what it means in terms of Mike Zimmer's future because you know... 
you know that you know that they've got the talent is it just like a lack of team chemistry like is the coach responsible for that probably yeah so yeah. we'll see it would be a shame because I, I do think Zimmer's a good coach but just based off of like how it's how it's ending out for him oh it's it's not going great for for the whole Zimmer thing and I think it, it it does feel like the game may be slightly passing him by at this point and his team just ain't ain't worth it <laughs> Right if he now. went back to being a coordinator, I reckon he'd be a brilliant coordinator. Yeah, I mean, I like Zim. I think that he says he tells it like it is, and he's he's a he's a good old fashioned coach. But sometimes, when you've been in a job too long, it can it can really weigh you down. And yeah, I don't know. I do think that they should move on from Mike Zimmer at the end of this year, though. That's that's my humble opinion. You can disagree with it. You can I, let me know on Twitter whether or not you. Surprised if he ended up in the wild card, like. That's just the kind of team. That's true. It is. Anyway, let's move on to the final game before we get onto some news, wrap up, and get ourselves out of here. And we are going to Arrowhead, where somehow me and you were the only ones that picked the Chiefs, the four and four close. Chiefs, to beat the Giants. It was so close, and it was so close. How the fuck did this happen? The, the Chiefs. <clears throat> Um, got the benefit of um, a couple of calls at the end there. Uh, there was the terrible taunting on... Uh, I don't even know how his surname is pronounced. It's like Jimenez, I guess, with the X. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also got the, the face mask that wasn't a face mask. Yeah. Called against them. Um, I mean, you could see why it was called a face mask, but it technically wasn't a foul. So, yeah, the Giants can feel a bit, a, a bit like aggrieved about how it panned out, and and for the Chiefs they won, but I don't think they feel any better about how their season's going. No. Like their their problems were still problems in this game. Like they they could have turned it over four times. They had a recovered fumble, and I think I think they had another pick called back by penalty. Yeah, so they did. They keep Granted, having it was deflecting. offside, but yeah, yeah. it was they a still... bad th- it was a bad overthrow. Putting putting um putting the ball in dangerous situations like even on the touchdown that they had um to Tyreek Hill, like Mahomes had Kelsey open on the goal line and just didn't see him or didn't want to throw to him and chose a much harder throw, so I don't say this kind of thing lightly, but Mahomes is slightly wincing right now. He's not seeing the field as cleanly as he did, and he's trying to do the spectacular all the time. And uh, yeah. it's not really working and he's putting the ball in danger when he doesn't need to and for the Chiefs for their for the coaching part they're not they what they need to do is they've got a lot of offensive talent they just need to strip back the playbook they're still going out there and they're still doing all these crazy formations and motion and running these great route combinations and it's just not really working for them right now like mm-hmm. they just need to to strip it back yeah I mean I know that the Giants' defense has sort of like sneakily kept them in a lot of games. They don't, they don't really get blown out very often because the the defense is sort of far more competent than their offense. And like, if they could maybe put it together, maybe they'd win a little bit more than like two and six on the year. But at the same time, like like you say, Patrick Mahomes got away with quite a lot of throws, and it. I wonder if it like, I wonder if what happened to Wentz is that he 
had so much praise. And then because the Eagles were so bad at coaching him when he had all of that praise, that he almost had to try and take it upon himself. And he almost like believed his own hype too much, which I, I don't know. Like, I'm the, scared that Mahomes might be because a lot of no, like you said, I think Mahomes no, is like five, 50 times the quarterback that went to the Warriors. No, I agree, but I'm not saying that Mahomes is gonna turn out the way that Carson Wentz has done. But at the same time, like he's doing stuff like making jump passes that he doesn't need to when he's got someone wide open that could easily gain an extra like five yards on top of yeah. it like it's but stupid it, crap think, like that and it's like just take it I back to your basics the, the thing is i don't think that he what what went started trying to do it all i don't think the chiefs have changed what they're doing like they were doing that the last few years um and it was working for them, so they're still trying to do it. But they kind of uh, the last couple of years, I've always said about the Chiefs that they get away with more turnovers than anyone else. Mm. Like they were, they were putting the ball into those situations, and it and they were getting away with it. But now they're not getting away with it, and you know, defensive has have certainly adjusted, and they don't have really a running game, and they don't have that second receiver opposite Hill. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of coming home to roost, and obviously, it doesn't help that the defense is. God awful, <laughs> and the offense is having to carry the team. Like, well, that's an extra amount of pressure that they haven't had in quite as much. You know, like the, the defense has always been below par, but like this is a different level. Well, they are going to be getting a little bit extra help because uh, Melvin Ingram, who uh, signed as a backup uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers this past off season, but then was unhappy about how many snaps he was getting on his vet minimum backup deal. Very weird. I'm not entirely sure as to what really went down here, but I think it was just a veteran not quite understanding the assignment, but, uh, he has been traded for a six round pick to the chiefs. So they're going to get some edge help, um, which quite frankly they need because, Melvin Ingram is a good player. He's a he's a he's a very talented rusher, and you know, getting a little bit of help up there might just might just slightly like ease the pressure on that awful secondary. He's, he's too old to play every snap. Like they just need him to. He would be best used like as a third down pass rush specialist. Mm-hmm. But they're so short-handed. I wonder if they will play him every snap, and it just hurts his effectiveness. So. Yeah, I mean, they're not one player away from being a good defense, are they? Oh, God, no, but, like, a a single player can change the rest of a team's fortunes. Like, how the Steelers' secondary was real iffy at points, and then they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick, and they went from, like, I don't know, like, fucking 16th best secondary with, like, a top five pass rush to being, like, a top five defense just because one guy allowed them to plug in that gap a little bit better. You never know. Like, I'm not saying that they'll go into being a good defense, but going from like 31st out of 32 is not they, exactly they a bad thing. that bad for that long. It they can't. difficult to do. Exactly. But we'll see. They get um, Chiefs at Packers, or Packers at Chiefs next week. That'll be a game, won't it? Uh, it sure will. Um, and speaking of that game, thank you for bringing us into the news section. Aaron Rodgers is going to be out for Sunday because it turns out when he said that he was immunized, he was actually just eating horse tranquilizer. 
He is an anti-vax no, king. He's not. Um, he's not like a horse. He's not like an ivermectin guy. He probably thought he was immunized because he meditates for six hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, no, he's like a he's like a CBD type guy, <laughs> not like a. Do you know what I mean? Like different type of guy. But um, yeah, to me, like oh, it's just fucking shit. I don't know why they obscured the truth about this. Like, what? Why wouldn't you just be like, uh, no, actually, I'm not vaccinated? Because there's many people in the league, particularly on the top 10% of rosters where players know that, you know, it's not going to affect their roster chances, who aren't vaccinated. And, like, I mean, I don't agree with any of them. I think it's stupid. But, like, people seem to say, like, well, it's their choice, whatever. If he just said that, people would have treated him the same. Like, Yeah, exactly. Like, as, long, as long as he's not doing, like, the cold basically, like, um, uh, it's a conspiracy or whatever. Like, if if you say like, oh, it's real, like, but I don't want to get it. It's like people are like, we, you're an idiot, obviously, but it's a different level of. <laughs> yeah, it's like the it's like the fucking um, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, he has said that he's been unvaccinated for this entire thing. Has anyone like really given two shits apart from like, no, go get the vaccine? No, no. like. It's fine, like, everyone's still letting him play, he's not losing out on money for I think, it. It's just... I do think, like, people hate, people do, like, hating on, it's it's easy, It's and it's fun to hate on Aaron Rodgers, because... He is so, such a hateable person, he's so dislikable. Like, I mean, like, yeah, no, he's a prick, isn't he, but he's still a pretty good quarterback. I mean, I'm just, ugh, I'm very disappointed, but not surprised. And I would say, like, for me, one thing that's quite interesting is that we are going to see Jordan live in this game. Oh, Blake Balls is coming back to sign off the practice squad. So oh. maybe with a bit of luck, we'll see Balls. That'd be fun. No, it wouldn't. No, I think, I mean, it, 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 it's a useful chance to see Jordan Love in a game where if he doesn't perform well, he's not going to get lambasted because it's like, well, he's coming off, you know, he's not prepared and and all of that. And, you know, maybe, hopefully they get Devontae Adams back for this game. But. You know, he, he's basically got nothing to lose. And he's going up against one of the softest defences in the league. I think they'll probably just spam Aaron Jones. Like, I almost, I, I wouldn't even be that surprised if the Packers won this game just because of the way the Chiefs have been playing. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think we're going to say anything that you can't read or see in meme form on Twitter. Like, he deserves it because he's, he's been an idiot, but whatever. And it's surprisingly in... Uh, in a cruel twist of fate, uh, we have a brand new edition of Bastard of the Week. Um, <laughs> it seems almost a little bit like uh, we're not taking it seriously. It, like see, the only problem is, is like Bastard of the Week is reserved for the biggest twat of the entire week, and. We've not really done very many episodes of it this year because there's there's not really been that many like out and out horrendous bastards. But bastard of the week is is making a triumphant return in a dishonourable mention of Henry Ruggs, the former first round wide receiver of the Las uh, Las Vegas Raiders, who was recently released because he is um, currently under. Uh, under arrest, he is in custody, 
for uh, a DUI and potential manslaughter as well. Um, unfortunately, somebody did lose their life. Um, I just have one thing to sort of say about this. It is that um, DUIs are, the, uh, to me, one of the most criminally under under-punished crimes that I think that you can commit, which is that you almost never see a DUI coming, like, especially a celebrity, where they don't have to attend some driver's course, have a fine, and basically get, like, a little slap on the wrist. Maybe, like, 90 days of community service. But there are countless number of people who have lost their lives in car accidents caused by DUI over the years. And the unfortunately, another things. it is. It's one of the most dangerous things you can do. And it's the most, it's like, in terms of the ratio of like, how you're, how you're um, endangering people to what reason is there for it. There's no, it's never going to be even remotely worth it. Like, well, there is nothing to gain I mean, from driving when you're pissed. Just get it's an Uber. Like, it's, it's it's like blanket idiot move. The Raiders have a car service for players that will pick them up at any time, right? Yeah, There's, it's a blanket idiot thing to do. But when you consider that, and you consider the fact that he was twice over limit, going at one hundred and fifty six miles an hour, he was one hundred and twenty seven by the time like, that the airbag kicked in. You're questioning like, just why? And the the, the thing I think about this is when Henry Ruggs was a football player. He would, every time he scored a touchdown, he would do a salute with a three to honour a friend of his who encouraged him to try out, uh, like, high school for football who died in a car crash. Right? So, what? <laughs> it's, it's impossible to think, like, what's going through your mind at that point. Like, nothing. Presumably nothing is going through your mind. Like, it, it's just, it's just a tragedy. Like, someone's died multiple lives have been ruined and there was just there was no reason to even think about doing it so it's so needless like like you say the raiders do have a service in place but so does everyone taxis are readily available i'm pretty sure that you could call up a taxi at 5 a.m in las vegas and there would be Uh, at least 10 of them waiting at the fucking door within a minute i'm sorry you you do not get a pass from this. His NFL career should be completely over. And if it isn't, whoever signs him is basically like ruining whatever reputation that they already had. So I mean, maybe I mean, the Washington be, football team he, should go sign him. I mean, the min- so it, it carries a charge of two to twenty years. So I don't know. I don't think they're not going to sign a guy. Like I mean, like yeah, I guess someone signed like Mike Vick coming out of prison. Like, uh, I suppose it's possible, but Mike Vick was like a transcendent talent. Um, we're, it's not even being cynical. It's just the reality is like, if you're good enough, it doesn't almost doesn't really matter what you do. Like, as long as you can available to play in the NFL, people will take you on. So, you know, um, I don't think he's going to be available to play in the NFL, to be honest. I just don't. Yeah, I, I firmly agree. And I, I do also want to rescind that uh, at the beginning of the season, um, me and Ed were having a discussion. I don't know if it was recorded on, on a podcast, but I, I'm pretty sure that we were having a discussion. And Ed said that uh, Henry Ruggs was based off of his injury problems in year one and 
his sort of mild lack of production trending towards bust territory, and I said that I still believed in him. Ed, I'm sorry, this is the monumental I mean, bust. Look, I don't know, it's not even like, it's just, it's, you can't even look, this, this kind of thing, you can't even look at it through the lens of, like, football, because no. it's just like, it's just, obviously, like, there's been a loss of life, and it's just, it's just tragic, isn't it? Like, <laughs> for no reason, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Henry Ruggs, uh, fuck off, um, Glad that we don't have to watch uh, any more Henry, uh, Henry Ruggs football for a bit, you stupid Rick, asshole. Has anyone had a, a more tricky start to their career than Rich Bisaccia as a head coach? Like, <laughs> it's like taking I mean, over no, for the Gruden scandal and then I having. Know, I don't know what he can say about it, but he's obviously going to be asked about it. But like, what, what are you like? When you drafted Henry Ruggs as the first receiver off the board, did you think he was going to get in a car crash that killed someone? Uh, it was on the scouting report, but we didn't gloss over it. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. it's just the way that the league works, suddenly. But yeah, gross. Anyway, yeah. Uh, if there is an episode to come, it may end up being a brand live recorder uh, recording. But we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see on that front. I don't know whether or not we'll be able to make the logistics of it work, so it might end up being the case. You'll have to wait for our review show next week. But, Max, I'll see you tomorrow night. And I'll see, uh, and we'll see the rest of you fellas at some point in the next week. But thank you for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye, everyone. Get vaccinated. Go and get the jab, and don't drive while you're drunk. <laughs>